On the virtual Bible study tonight, we're going to tell you who to vote for. No, we're not. Oh, we're, we're not, not, we're not going to do that. Okay. We right. promise we're not going to do that. Right. But we are going to talk about voting and talk about the things that all of us as Christians ought to take into our considerations as we're making our decisions about voting. All right. It's going to be an important topic, and you're going to stand, stay tuned. We're going to get started right now. It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, Internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 93- one three eight one four five six seven or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com we hope you'll take out your bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of god's word on this edition of the virtual bible study and we're on. Welcome to the program. This is the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, October 29th, 2000. We're kind of, we're kind of asleep at the switch tonight. 2020. Thank you for joining us on the program tonight. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is here today. Good to be here, Jacob. We, we had a little computer uh, hassle going on as we were trying to get started up, so we're just a little bit late starting. But it's not Kyle's fault. Kyle's behind the controls doing oh, his Kyle part. Kyle always does right. It's good, it's, it's good to be here. Glad so that you're here. Thanks for listening tonight and glad that you're on the other end of the line. We want to hear from you at 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. And uh, the best way to ch- comment is uh, by typing. I mean, the best way is for you to call. We'd like to hear from you. But the easiest way is for you to type in the chat room, uh, sign in the chat room with other listeners on the program tonight. We want to hear from you. Uh, this is an important timely topic, and so we hope that you'll stay tuned as we look at scriptural principles to guide us uh, through yeah. uh, the coming, uh, well, less than a week now, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, unless you've been living under a rock someplace, you know that this big election is coming up here next Tuesday. A lot of people, I guess, have already voted, so our our, our discussion may be a little late for some who early voted, but uh, for the majority of folks, I suppose, who will be going to the, the uh, polls on Election Day, we wanted to talk about that. I, what got me thinking that we should do this, Jacob, was, uh, uh, you know, we always ask our listeners to submit questions and stuff. And this was a question we got. And as we sometimes say, maybe we'll make a whole program out of a question. I think we're going to do that with this one. The question was, can a Christian post and be involved in political things? Is it wrong? I have been told it's wrong for a Christian to post political things because it could offend or discourage someone, even a brother or sister in Christ. I know we are not of this world, but struggle with what may happen if a politician gets elected that might take away my religious freedoms. Some say as Christians, since this world is not our home, just live as a Christian and do and concentrate on spiritual things, not earthly things. And so that's the question that came in that prompted me to think we should talk about voting. And so I put together some questions today for our update list, and I'll read them off quickly. Remembering... If you're not on our update list, get on it by sending us a, an, an email to questions at collegeview.com and just say, add me to your list. Number one, can a Christian participate in matters pertaining to civil government? Specifically, can a Christian vote? And then a follow-up to that, should a Christian vote? Number two, if your answers to those questions are yes, then answer the following questions about how a Christian should vote. For a Christian, what should be the most important outcome of any election? And secondly, what are the most important principles that should determine a Christian's vote? Third, 
To what extent should we evaluate the moral character of political candidates? Number four, if the outcome of the election is not to our liking, how should we react? And then the last question especially goes, I think, to what our questioner wrote. The last question is, can a Christian become too involved, uh, too involved in or emotionally invested in political matters? And so we want, I think that's something we really want to touch on because this questioner who sent me the email and, and another who talked to me on the phone really seemed disturbed that some Christians, even some preachers from pulpits, are, are be, being very political. And it's a concern that some Christians have that maybe this has gone too far. And so I'm looking forward to that part of the discussion, especially. Yeah, as well. Me too. Uh, so yeah, the excellent com- uh, questions there. It's going to be a, it's going to be a, a packed uh, hour here. We're going to have to move fast because there are lots of things to for us to consider. And we talk about having uh, Bible authority for all that we do, and, and it's not just stuff, stuff that we do as a church. It's as we live our individual lives. And this is definitely an area where we want to have Bible authority, make sure that we're doing the right thing. Yeah, you know, and, and I think that a lot of Christians these days just take for granted that it's okay to vote. They don't, I mean, that, I, I doubt that that's a question that's even on most people's radar screens. Well, of course we can vote. Whoever suggested that we couldn't vote? Well, actually, there are plenty of people who question whether or not a Christian should vote or, or is, is authorized to vote. And so, therefore, we need to establish that point first. Now, I'm going to say, yes, I believe Christians can vote. But I'll give you a little history on this. But you need, and you need, but to say yes, you need to be able to say, here's why, from the scriptures. Not just, I think it's okay, or exactly. that's a stupid question. What do the scriptures say? Exactly. Uh, David Lipscomb, I think that's the name a lot of our listeners rec- recognize, who lived back in the 1800s. Uh, he wrote a book uh, entitled Civil Government. He himself was a pacifist during Civil War days. But he took that so far as to say he didn't think Christians should vote. Uh, he took the, uh, he, he contended that since the Bible, he wrote, he wrote a book entitled Civil Government. So he dealt, wrote a whole book about this. But he took the position that Christians ought not to vote. He contended that since the Bible teaches that God rules in the kingdoms of men and puts into office those he chooses, Quoting from Daniel 2.21 and 4.17, Christian people ought to leave the matter to God and remain aloof from the political process. So he wasn't the only one saying that, but he wrote a whole book along those lines. Edward Gibbon, I think a lot of people recognize the name Gibbon. He wrote The, the uh, Decline and Fall of the, of, of the Roman Empire. Uh, he declared that early Christians refused to, quote, take any active part in civil administration of the empire. Talk about the Roman Empire. Uh, Philip Schaff, who is a church, who, who's a well-known church historian, uh, called attention to the fact that early Christians, quote, they had a disregard for politics and depreciation, deprecation, I should say, deprecation of all civil and temporal affairs as compared to the spiritual internal interest of men. All right, so, and I, I, I think probably a lot of our listeners know the fact that even currently, Jehovah's Witnesses, for instance, they they teach their adherents not to vote, that they can't vote, not authorized to vote. Right. So the, the, I think the first question has to be established. Can we vote? All right. Um, Sign in the chat room and just send a yes or no answer. It's a, you know, one word answer. Let us know your thoughts and but, uh, bonus, question, bonus points for sending in a verse to support that position. Yeah. Let me give some. As I said, my position on that is going to be, yes, we can vote. And I want to base it on. Uh, a, a few verses here I want to run through real quickly. 
First of all, and I don't even think I have to read all of Matthew five thirteen through 16, which calls we're in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, we're the salt of the earth and we're the light of the world. In other words, we're to have an influence on, on, the, on the world around us. Uh, and I, believe, I would argue that voting, since we're granted that right, that's not a right that everybody has in every place. But in our particular circumstance, it's a, it's a privilege granted to us that gives us the opportunity to be salt and light. So I, I would argue from, from that statement without reading all that, I think our listeners are very familiar with it. But again, if we vote for righteous principles, it's a way to be salt and light. Uh, in fact, if, if all godly people refrained from voting, think what that would mean. If all godly people refrained from voting, then it would only be the wicked and immoral people who would be voting. Uh, and, and it's hard to even imagine what the future of our society would be like if we didn't exercise that privilege. Okay. Uh, secondly, we know that Paul exercised his rights as a, as a Roman citizen. Just last night in our Bible class here, we were, we were uh, talking about Romans 16 when Paul was cast into prison in Philippi. They, they beat Paul and Silas, threw him in jail. The next morning they came to get him out. Of course, overnight, the Philippian jailer had been converted, all that. But the next morning they came to get him out of jail, and Paul said, wait a minute. They have beaten us openly and cast us into the prison, yeah. and now they want to just shoo us out privately? No, no, let them come. They've done that to us, and us being Roman citizens, he said. Uh, the, he said in Romans 16, beginning verse 34, read just part of that. He said, they have beaten us openly, uncondemned, being Romans, and have cast us into prison. Now do they thrust us out privily? Nay, verily, but let them come themselves and fetch us out. And, of course, of course, when the Roman authorities heard that Paul was a citizen and they treated him, they were they were really worried because you yep. Roman citizens had rights. Yep. And yep. Paul mentions that, that he wanted his rights to be honored. Yep. He did it again uh, in uh, Acts chapter 22 uh, when he was in Jerusalem and got arrested. And they were going to they were going to beat him and interrogate him. And Paul asked in Romans 22, beginning verse 24, one of the part of that quote says, Paul said, is it lawful for you to scourge a man that's a Roman and uncondemned? No, he kept himself from being beaten on that occasion by calling on his Roman rights. And then probably the best known instance in Paul's life was when they want, when, when there was a, uh, a move to, to transport him to Jerusalem to stand before his Jewish accusers and he knew they had a plot to kill him. And he said, I appeal to Caesar. All of those were his rights as a Roman citizen, and he used his rights. So I would argue from that that as citizens of this country, we have certain privileges and rights that are guaranteed to us, and one of them is the privilege and right to vote. And it's just one. And so since it's not wrong to take advantage of your rights of citizenship, Paul proved that then I don't see how it could be wrong to use your rights of citizenship in as an as an avenue to positively influence our society. All right. Now, let me ask you, because we've got to get to the question that uh, I believe one of the quotes you referenced mentioned and uh, that I've heard uh, before as well. The argument is from the book of Daniel, where God uh, explicitly says over and over again, that he rules in the kingdom of men and sets, gives it to whoever he wills and setteth up over the basest of men. So God rules in the kingdoms of men. 
He gives it to who he wills. How do I know that I'm not voting against God? How do I know that God wants Trump in, and if I'm voting for Biden, that I'm voting against God? Or God wants Biden in, and I'm voting for Trump, and now I'm voting against God? How do you say? How do you answer the person who says, you know, I don't want to be on the wrong side of that fence. I don't want to be the guy who's working against God. True, and I understand that. But I could take the other side of that coin and say, how do I know that God's not using me providentially to bring into into position of power the person that he wants okay. all right so i i don't know that you could make a defense yeah i don't think you can throw down on that one side or the other okay so i i'm going to say there's every likelihood that god wants to use my vote providentially to bring about his will okay i can't I, but i can't know god's providence and i can't predetermine god's providence and so i think that's just sort of something you got to leave out there unanswered okay lose in frosty minnesota tonight and he says the bible says god put the authority in place and the authority in the U.S. Uh, anyway says that it is our duty to vote, so we should vote. And so, Lou's going to that argument that you made that, well, Ro- Paul was a Roman citizen and he used his rights as a Roman citizen. We are U.S. citizens and we have the right to vote. The, the government requests that of us. And so then we're perfectly justified in complying with that. Yeah, yeah I think I, I'm, I'm on, on the same page as Lou there. All right. Eric says, Jonah 1, 1 and 2, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. Maybe it's a stretch, but when we vote against abortion rights and homosexual marriage, we are, in a sense, crying out against wickedness. I, I think that's true, too, Eric. I okay. think that's a, a fair observation. Good comment. Here's what Kent down in Georgia said. He said, yes to all three components in question number one. So the questions were... Can we vote? Can we vote? Uh or can uh, we participate? Can we participate in civil government? Can we vote? Should we vote? He says yes to all three. He says the concept of civil government exists upon the basis of divine authority. While it is the case that some gov- civil governments attempt to exceed their authority and abuse their power, and while some civil rulers are not what they ought to be, such does not adequately negate the need and or the concept of civil government. Such is an institution ordained by, of God, Romans 13, 1 and 2. All the accountable individuals are amenable to the New Testament of Christ. The principle that authorized governments to exist also authorizes individuals to vote. The case being that Christians are amenable to the same covenant that allows governments to exist also authorizes Christians to vote. Thank yeah. you, Kim. Yeah. And then, then Mohan up in Illinois, he said, there is nothing in the Bible that prohibits a Christian from voting. However, I believe it's a personal choice whether or not someone would participate in a particular election. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to go with Mohan on that. I mean, I, we're not mandating that. I, I'm not going to take the position that a Christian must vote. I, I think it's a, a citizenship right and privilege that we enjoy. I would encourage Christians to use it as a means of exercising their influence over society. But I would not go so far as to say that you you can't do otherwise, that you'd be sinning if you didn't vote. I'm not going to say that, but, but I, I am saying I think it's an opportunity and that we can and – and and should, if all things being equal, I think it's an opportunity we can and should use if we're able to. All right. Kyle, thoughts about that before we go to a break? Yeah, I think it's, you know, some people tell you that uh, I don't think you need to complain unless you shouldn't be able to complain about, you know, how the government's run unless you have your voice. You put your voice in. I'm not necessarily, necessarily stringent about that, but I say it's casting our lot, what we're wanting our government to do. So I think it's a good thing to vote mandating it 
I shy away from that, of course. But, Dwight uh, and Michelle out in Iowa said, yes, we can. It is a privilege, but not a must. Yeah. There's think, their, their, yeah. their comment on that. Thank yeah. you for signing in in the chat room and sharing your thoughts. We want you to share them during the break. Get ready for our next question. Our next question is, if you say you can vote and should vote, then what would be the most important outcome of the election? In other words, so, so this election is Tuesday. What do we? What is the main thing we want to, to see as Christians? What should? What outcome should be our most desired outcome from the election on Tuesday? All right, lower taxes. Eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven. We're back right after this. Now you can listen to a podcast of a recent sermon every week. Find out more at collegeview.com. There's more of the virtual Bible study right after these important messages. This is Monty Overton, a member of the College View Church of Christ. Thanks for listening to the virtual Bible study. We appreciate your interest in the Bible. It is, after all, God's message to us. We thought you might be encouraged by a poem written by A.Z. Conrad entitled, The Bible Stands. It goes like this. Century follows century, there it stands. Empires rise and fall and are forgotten, there it stands. Dynasty succeeds dynasty, there it stands. Kings are crowned and uncrowned, there it stands. Emperors decree its extermination, there it stands. Atheists rail against it, there it stands. Agnostics smile cynically, there it stands. Profane, prayerless punsters caricature it, there it stands. Unbelief abandons it, there it stands. Higher critics deny its claimed inspiration. There it stands. The flames are kindled against it. There it stands. The tooth of time gnaws but makes no dent in it. There it stands. Infidels predict its abandonment. There it stands. Modernism tries to explain it away. There it stands. Here's some quotes worth pondering. Our attitude toward things is likely to be more important than the things themselves. Men may be measured by their reactions to life's inequities. Action and feeling go together, and by regulating the action, we can directly regulate the feeling. Man, wish I'd said that. For he hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Hebrews 13, verses 5 and 6. The virtual Bible study continues. We're back on the program tonight as we talk about voting as we get ready uh, for Election Day in the United States. Uh, But wherever you're listening tonight, some things to think about and scriptural principles to guide us as we consider whether or not we ought to vote and how that ought to be done. Yeah. So the question we have on on the table right now then is uh, if you take the position uh, you got to you got to decide this I mean don't let us decide it for you but based upon what the Bible teaches you got to decide whether you're authorized to vote or not we my position is yes I think we're authorized that being the case then when I vote what should I be voting for you know there are a number of things that the politicians are campaigning about certainly they're talking about the economy they're talking about the coronavirus. Uh, they're talking about military defenses. Healthcare. Uh, standardized uh, health care reform. Healthcare reform, immigration policy. I have a view on all those. I think most people do. If you watch the news at all, or if you you know if you're if you're in touch at all with what's going on, you have a view. You about almost it. said if you think, didn't you? Well, no, I didn't mean it. I okay, mean, if, I, if, you, if, if you're in touch with what they cover okay. uh, in these political campaigns, you yeah. know that that's something that's yeah. on the te- uh, and And so, you know, I, I, it, in a political discussion with someone, I might voice my opinion on those things. But that's not what ought to be most important to me. 
what ought to be most important to me are moral considerations. And, and I, I want to base part of this on 1 Timothy 2, verses 1 through 3. In 1 Timothy 2, beginning verse 1, I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and for all that are in authority. Notice, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior. So our main concern, whatever happens in in the election, I've got a preference in the coming election. But whatever happens, whether my guy wins or doesn't win, what I pray is that we will be able to lead quiet and peaceable lives in all godliness and honesty. In other words, that, that we'll be able to pursue our service to God without being interfered with. Uh, I think our prayers should, should include that that whatever happens, however it turns out, that, that we will not be hindered to do the will of God in our lives. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and that's along the lines of what Dwight and Michelle said. They said God's will be done is what we should be looking for in this election. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. Uh, to that end, we, uh, you know, we might pray. that I think this is really something to pray about. And James chapter 1, verse 5 says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given to him. I should pray. I should be praying about the about my vote, and I think it's certainly applicable to pray about the overall outcome of the election. That it will be such that it will turn our nation in a more godly path. Uh, now, God, God, as we've read from Daniel, God's in charge, and and whoever whoever uh, is in office uh, that that will be in accordance with the will of God and and whatever happens happens but certainly the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much so we ought to pray that that our our nation is pretty far down the road of of ungodliness and immorality uh but we ought to be praying that it can be turned in a more positive godly direction and that this that this voting will be one such uh, step in that direction. I don't think it'd be. I don't think it would get us back where we need to be necessarily. But hopefully, it wouldn't take us farther away than from where we need to be. Yeah, true. Uh, we'll talk about that more. I think as we get along here. But uh, there's there's there is a there is a, a formula for getting us back to where we need to be. Uh, it's more powerful than voting. We'll talk about that in, in a minute. But you know, one of the things in regards to voting would be. Uh, you know, it seems that the branch of our government that has a lot of control over moral issues is uh, our judiciary, uh, all the way up to our Supreme Court. And so, you know, one of the things that, that I factor into my decision is I, I want to vote for candidates that will have a higher likelihood of appointing judges to the judiciary, all the way up to the Supreme Court, that will rule in moral fashion. In other words, they'll make decisions that will be more morally based. We know, for instance, the the Supreme Court back in 1973 ruled on Roe versus Wade. They ruled in in favor of abortion. And, of course, millions. I I heard the other day it's in the 60 million, 61, 62 million babies have been aborted Mm. in the United States since 1973. Mm. That's a, that's a horrible, horrible, horrible thing. I want to I want to exercise my influence to try to rein that back. You know, do you remember several years ago when here in Tennessee we had a constitutional amendment uh, that we were voting on, and and some of us got pretty 
actively involved in promoting that the passage of that constitutional amendment because it was going to it wasn't going to end abortion, but it was going to make it harder to get one. It was going to restrict abortions. And, and, and I think that's a worthy thing. And so those kind of moral considerations in the chat room, Eric mentioned uh, uh, homosexuality, uh, abortion and homosexuality, same sex marriage as the kind of moral questions that ought to be high on our priority list when we're thinking about candidates and what do they stand for. Eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven. Mohan says the candidate closer to biblical principles should be considered. Some principles to consider are whether the candidate is uh, is pro life, believes in marriage between a man and a woman, and believes in freedom of religion. And so those are the principles that he's looking for as in the outcomes that he wants. Uh, I agree with election. you, Mohan. In fact, I have I have said, and I and I've actually had a little pushback on this from some quarters, but. I've actually said that when it comes to voting, I'm, I'm going to ask two important moral questions, uh, and I, I need to hear the answer. I don't, I don't care what, what political party or who you are or what you – I don't care if you're running for president or dog catcher. I want to ask two questions. Where do you stand on abortion, and where do you stand on same-sex marriage? Yep. Now, if you get those questions right, we can go on and talk about some other questions. But if you get those questions wrong, I'm not voting for you. I'm just no. not voting for you. I don't care what party you're a member of. I'm not voting for you. If if you if you're going to, and some political candidates are very bold to say that they they are going to defend the right of a woman to have an abortion. I mean, they make that a part of their campaign platform. I'm not going to vote for that person. I can't. I, I just conscientiously couldn't vote for somebody who is going to promote abortion, killing a of. Innocent babies, taking of innocent life. I'm just not going to do that. All right. All right. Here's what Kent says. We cannot, by the word of God, prove that America is a Christian nation. Christians as Christians, members of the Lord's Church, do not collectively constitute a political entity. We do, however, live as members of organized civil society. As Christians within those civilized societies, we have an individual obligation to be the right influence among those with whom we live. This, that should reflect us as to how to vote, how one votes. The most important outcome of any election is to see the right kind of individuals elected governing or representing in a way where the principles of honesty, morality, and capability are demonstrated out of respect for the U.S. Constitution. The most important principles that should determine how a Christian votes must be based upon whether or not elected officials will promote the recognition of the importance of God, biblical morality, honesty, a respect for the concept of civil law, the family, a strong work ethic, the free enterprise system, which is a biblical principle, he adds, and those things that brought our nation ident- national identity and greatness of the past. Progressive socialism is destructive of principles relating to God, biblical morality, the family, work ethic, and our Constitution. One cannot be a faithful Christian and espouse progressive socialism because such is built upon atheism, and communism, and is opposed to everything for which Christians must stand. Okay. Right. Well, with that, I mean, I, I think I, I don't think anybody have any doubt about where I can't stand. I know where I can't stand. I know. I think I know who he's voting for. <laughs> yeah. All okay. Right. All right. But again, to answer that question, what should be the most important outcome of any election? The most important outcome of any elections, national, state, or local, should be that we're voting for people who who espouse moral principles. And we're and we're not voting for people who openly defy 
the moral principles taught in the Word of God. Right. I mean, that's just as simple as I can say it. Okay, good. All right, we're going to go on, get a break. When we get back... What, what about we, the moral character of candidates? Is, that's this a little get, tougher. This is getting a little sticky here. What about what about a candidate who has obvious flaws, moral flaws? Obviously not the person they need to be. This is not a new problem. This has gone along for a long time. Yeah. Uh, the candidates in, back in your youth, people were worried about their religion or yeah. their marital status. Yeah. That's probably the least of our Oh, concerns. you know, you know in 1980 Ronald Reagan was the first president to be elected who had a divorce in his past. I mean, if a man had a divorce in his past up until just a few years ago, he couldn't even be considered as a presidential candidate. Yeah. Amazing how much it's changed and sadly it's changed. Now, let's get a break and we'll get back. We'll continue the discussion. Don't go anywhere. We're back right after this. Have you checked out all of the resources on collegeview.com lately? Check it out now while you listen to these important messages. The virtual Bible study will be right back after this. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's bullet point. When Jehoram, the son of Jehoshaphat, became king over Judah, he secured his position on the throne by killing all of his brothers, 2 Chronicles 21, verse 4. This was just the beginning of his horribly wicked reign. He made shrines to various idolatrous gods and coerced God's people to worship the idols. Finally, because of his great wickedness, Elijah the prophet sent him a letter foretelling of his death by a terrible intestinal illness. The prophecy came true, and Jehoram died, quote, in severe pain. As a final footnote on this terrible life, the inspired record says that the customary burial proceedings of a king were not performed, and that he departed, quote, to no one's sorrow, Second Chronicles 21, verse 20. What a sad commentary on a misspent life. In Acts 9, we read of the death of a woman named Dorcas. She was, quote, abounding with deeds of kindness and charity, which she continually did, unquote, verse 36. When the apostle Peter came to the place, the room was full of people who were, quote, weeping and showing the coats and garments which Dorcas made while she was with them, verse 39. Her obviously good life left a positive and lasting impression on all who knew her, and they mourned her passing. As Jehoram and Dorcas, we too will one day pass from this life. We wonder, will we be missed? Will anyone mourn when we are gone? The answer to these questions, of course, is to be determined by how we spend our time here and now. If we are faithful and dedicated to both God and man, if we are busy serving the Lord and others, if we live less for self and more for family, friends, and neighbors, and if we keep our eye firmly fixed on what is really most important in this life, then there is a good probability that our passing will be more like Dorcas's and not like Jehoram's. When you die, will anyone miss you? That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. I'm James Buchanan from Columbia, Tennessee, and I love to listen to the virtual Bible study. Missed a recent virtual Bible study program? Listen to any of our past programs from the archive section of our website. Now, back to the virtual Bible We're study. We're back on the program tonight. As we remind you, this program is brought to you by the College of Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Find out more at thevirtualbiblestudy.com or collegeview.com. And, Kyle, I think... You've got a new playlist up there on the YouTube feed. Yeah, which we just completed our, uh, our uh, it was a shortened fall gospel meeting. We had uh, Jim Deason here, so it's all ready to go. We have all of five uh, lessons of his, very good, very good lessons. So Yeah, so you got a playlist on our YouTube channel, yeah. uh, not, the, not the virtual Bible study That's right. ch- uh, channel, but 
College View live stream channel. Go there and you can watch Jim's good sermons. And when you listen to those sermons, make sure you bring you, you get out your Bible that's well worn. You don't want the Bible that has the pages that are still sticking together because you're going to be flipping a lot. He used a lot of scripture in those sermons. Yeah, yeah that's all right. Uh, all right, uh, we're talking about voting tonight. Um, and what should be our considerations as Christians, those who are interested in doing God's will, because God's will needs to, to dictate and mandate everything we do in our lives, especially in this area. We got a comment in the chat room, Jacob, from Brian. He said, God conceded to the nation of Israel a king, King Saul. He warned them of the consequences of their desires, but nevertheless granted their wish to be like the other nations. He says, is it any different for us today? He'll let people make an unwise choice. Uh, will he not permit us to make an erroneous choice as well? I think he will. I think, uh, yeah, and I think we probably, I, as a nation, I think we've probably made a lot of bad choices through the years, and that's not to say we wouldn't do it again. I think there's very high probability we could do it again. Uh, he's not gonna, he's not gonna prevent us. That's, and, and, and again, all we, all that we can do as, as the people of God is try to exercise a positive influence on the outcome. I mean, obviously we just got one vote. Millions and millions of people are gonna vote. And our, we just got one vote each, so I mean, but it is just do what we can. Yeah, God's not God is not going to keep a society from having a bad leader. Yeah. and if that's what they deserve, then they get what they deserve. Many times uh, we read about that in the Old Testament. So. Yeah. All right. Um, so what about this question? Do does the uh, to what extent? Or excuse me, yeah. To what extent should we evaluate the moral character of political candidates? Um, you know, I'm not sure there are any really moral characters out there running for office. And so, if we were to say, "Well, this guy has to be known by me to be an absolutely faithful Christian," and all that that involves, not just not just you know making the claim, because I'll. All politicians are going to, you know, give lip service to their religion, I suppose. Most of them do anyway. But, you know, so what if I find out that this guy, he is, he, he has had multiple marriages. Our current president has had multiple marriages. Uh, what if I find out that, that, you know, there's a, I think there's a guy running for Senate down in North Carolina and it's come out here in, in the last days of the campaign that, He's been having an affair. He's a married man. He's been having an affair with another woman. Should that influence my vote for these kind of guys? Uh, I don't know. I, I think that's quite a dilemma because, as I said, especially as you get to higher political office, when you get to the big the big offices, you know, yeah. I get, I just wonder if a truly honest and faithful Christian could get that high in politics. There's a lot of under the table dirty dealing i think that probably has to take place to get a guy that high up in national politics so i don't know what do we do about that if if we if we can't say that he is an absolutely moral character in his personal life should we or should we not vote for him I believe uh, James Garfield, I think sure. his last... Yeah. Uh, that's, he was a member of the Church of Christ. So yeah. That's probably yeah. one of the... Uh, <laughs> of course, in that time, moral character... Did you vote for him, Kyle? Yeah. I would probably would have. I <laughs> probably would have. <laughs> okay. But uh, even then, he was a uh, Civil War veteran, so I'm sure there was some contention between some members at that time. Because there were some Christians yes. who were pacifists yes. against the Civil so, War. 
Wasn't yeah. he? What, uh, this is totally chasing a rabbit here. But didn't he make the quote that wasn't he an elder in the church? Yeah, and he, he said he was leaving yeah, a leaving uh, a more important job to take a lesser one. Yeah, he thought that his job as an elder in the church was more important. Yeah, yeah. okay. Uh, I'm I'm going to say that we should take into consideration the morality of the president to this extent. How how is it reflected in his moral positions? Because we were just saying, you know, the most important principles that we should consider when voting is these moral principles. So I got two candidates. One of them is pro-abortion and one of them is pro-life. Well, I know which one I'm going to favor in that in that sense. Now, I'm not saying he's an absolutely moral man, but he takes the right position on that moral question. What what about? Uh, same-sex marriage, uh, you know, what What about other moral questions? Like, I, You're going to have a hard time finding a person who's in his personal life is, is spotlessly clean. And probably you're going to have trouble finding a candidate that will line up with you on every moral question. So this guy, I, I like this guy because of his position on on abortion and same-sex marriage, but he is all in favor of the state lottery gambling. Well, I can't go for it. So what do I do when, I mean, even on, even not necessarily just his personal life, but even on his personal positions on moral issues, I may not get one that lines up exactly with what I think he should do. What, you know, do I, as they say, take the lesser of two evils? What do I do? Yeah, he's making it hard on us here. Uh, well, let's see what our listeners had to say about that. Mohan says the policies are more important than character. If policies are in line with biblical principles, certainly character can be considered. However, in recent years, it's hard to have a candidate with good character and policies. I, you know, boy, I'm Mohan, I'm, I'm right on the same page with Mohan there. Here's what Kent said. He says, we must evaluate the moral character of political candidates insofar as such will influence our God-given rights relating to the free expression of our religious convictions and principles of civility as it relates to society. When politicians openly endorse abortion, homosexuality, same-sex marriages, society loses the basis of its civility. Consider the fallacies of progressive socialism. No nation can maintain its civility and freedom with where such gains control. All nations embracing this system of infidelity have been miserable failures. They end up as citadels of antinomianism and lawlessness. Okay. Again, Kent's pretty pretty clear where Kent stands on that, and I have to tend to agree with him. Uh, You know... Uh, what I'm afraid of is that people typically vote their pocketbook rather than their moral convictions. Uh, Proverbs 16, verse 8 says, Better is little with righteousness than great revenues without right. And I think we've got to take that into consideration. It'd be better. We, so here's, here, here, consider this dilemma. Here's, here's a candidate who is pro-life. He's going he's gonna, to he's gonna work against abortion. I like that. But he also says he's going to raise my taxes. Oh, I don't know if I can go for him, man. Those taxes are killing me. I, 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 no, if he's taking the right stance and the other candidate is not on that moral question, that moral question should be more important to me than an economic consideration. Yeah. Well, here's what Brian says. He says, I remember 30 years ago how I heard brethren rail against Bill Clinton and any member who would vote for him. And they were saying things like, how could anyone vote for that pot-smoking, womanizing, draft-dodging reprobate? 
Uh, Brian says, well, I never did or would vote for Clinton, but I worry about hypocrisy. Not sure if the current president is a paragon of moral rectitude. Actually, I do know he isn't, he says. Yeah. Yeah, our our current president is not a a moral individual. Has not been in his life. I mean, it's well documented. The immorality of of his personal life is well documented. And so, but again, that's not to say that his opponent or other candidates are are paragons of moral virtue, as 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 he says. I do think I I'm, I really like the way Mohan put that. Uh, policies are more important than character. If the policies are in line with biblical principles, certainly character can be considered. I'm going to look to policy first and character second. I'm not going to overlook character, but I'm going to, I think, I, I think like Moan said, I believe policy is primary. All right. All right. Uh, why don't we get a break and then we'll come back. We've got two questions to consider. And these are, these are going to get down to really, uh, the personal application here of, of this whole yeah. process. The two questions we want to deal with in our last segment of the program are these. If the outcome of the election is not to our liking, how should we react? And can a Christian become too involved in or emotionally invested in political matters? All right. We're going to get a break and get uh, to the top of the hour right after this. These guys are doing all of the talking. We need to hear from you. Call in now. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. I'm Dan Quillen, a member of the College U Church of Christ, with some thoughts about making plans. Have you made any definite plans for your spiritual life and for your service for God? We spend time prioritizing personal lives and setting goals in our careers, but do we think in those terms about the most important thing, our soul? Ask yourself these questions. What am I planning to do for God today? In the coming week, what good thoughts will I accomplish for him? At this time next year, where do I want to be in my spiritual life? In five years from now, how will I have changed, improved, and grown in my work for God? Ten years from today, how will my family be? How will I have helped them grow spiritually? Twenty years down the road, how will I be doing? As I approach death, what will have been the most important things in my life? Where will I be in eternity? We're tracking the trends on the virtual Bible study. Just 2% of Americans between the ages of 18 and 36 believe these things. Now get this, just 2% of Americans aged 18 to 36 believe, one, that absolute moral truth exists, two, that such truth is defined by the Bible, three, that Jesus Christ lived a sinless life, four, that God is the all-powerful and all-knowing creator of the universe and he still rules it today. Five, that Satan is real. Six, that a Christian has a responsibility to share their faith in Christ with other people. And seven, that the Bible is accurate in all of its teachings. That information is via the Cultural Research Center at Arizona Christian University. The Word of God says in Ecclesiastes 12, verse 1, Remember now thy Creator in the days of thy youth, while the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh, when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. Share your comment with the world. Call in now and be a part of the virtual Bible study. Now, back to the program. We're back on the program, going to the top of the hour. And those stats that you gave may indicate why we have candidates like we do in political office or even have a chance uh, at obtaining, uh, winning an election with that kind of standard well, that they're working. America is becoming what they refer to as a secular society, very much yeah. so. Yeah. And, uh, and so all decisions are made based upon a, this world yeah. consideration. Yeah. You know, what will it, what, what will it get me right now? 
Yep. And 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 in our in our society, the idea of a long term eternal outlook is just not even on the table. Oh, right. uh, sadly. Okay. So our question is, if the outcome of the election is not to our liking, how should we react? Well, you know, there there is a lot of news that's indicating that there could be some real civil unrest if if whoever I think it could go that way. Whoever wins. Well, there, I, there could be rioting in the streets and fighting and and all kinds of political upheaval, uh, rebellion, you know. Yeah, I, I, you know, I'm getting to be old, and in my lifetime, I've never known it like this. I've, I've never known that threat to be as real as I think it is today. I mean, when I, in years gone by, there's a presidential election, and even if the guy that we didn't like won, nobody thought that people are going to take take up arms. I think it's a legitimate con- worry. In this election. I got an email on the hotline here, a message on the hotline. Uh, listener says, we went to Walmart tonight. They took all the guns and ammo and moved them to the back. I asked a lady working there, and she confirmed it is because of the election and potential riots. They're worried about it at Walmart. They're moving, the, they're taking the guns and the ammo out. Because they're afraid the store will get looted and people grab the guns. There you go. Isn't that crazy? I it's, mean, I've never, I honestly, I've never known times like these where that is a legitimate concern. Now, since it is a possibility, maybe even a probability that there will be at least some of that kind of thing going on, where do we stand on that? How yeah. should we How re- should we react? That's a big. That's an important question. I, I think obviously uh, we're ex- expected to submit uh, to the civil authority. Uh, look in First uh, Peter two, verse twenty one. First Peter two verse twenty one. Have I got that right? No, that's not two seventeen. Right. Maybe I'm. Uh, I've got. That. Yeah, two seventeen is what I want. Two seventeen is what. Honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. Previously in that chapter, up at verse thirteen, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king as supreme, or unto governors as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evil doers and for the praise of them that do well. For so is the will of God that with well-doing you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. Uh, I think whenever we read you know, statements in the New Testament that relate to civil government, you've got you to be reminded the civil government they were talking about was the Roman Empire. Wicked. Terrible. Terrible. Killing Christians. Yeah. And, and the kind of, uh, yeah, they were, they were even you know persecute they were behind a, a harsh persecution of christians and yet the christians were told to submit uh romans 13 verse 1 let every soul be subject to the higher powers for there's no power but of god the powers that be are ordained of god uh so uh and verse 5 we must needs be subject not only for wrath but for conscience sake we should submit to civil government not just because we're worried that they'll punish us if we don't but our conscience, we got to, in order to have a, a, a right conscience before God, we've got to submit to civil authority. So, if the if the wrong guy gets elected, in our opinion, the guy we don't want gets elected, what's our duty? Honor the king. He's not the king, obviously. He's the president. But honor the civil governor. Now that goes beyond just saying, well, okay, I'll I'll accept that he's the president, and I, and, and I don't like him, and I'll, in fact, I'll talk bad about him whenever I get the chance. Uh, uh, yeah. And, 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 and I'll, I'll, I'm going to call him names. I'm going to call him real mean names. Yeah. That dumb moron. He, well, he, had, did he, he didn't have a brain. Yeah. Or 
no honor the king is going to reflect in the way I act and speak about the king. Yeah. And so be careful of that. I think Christians aren't. I don't. I don't think there's. You know, I really think that's true. And 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 in 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 the recent past with with different presidents, I've heard Christians say things that were not honoring. Yeah. You know, and and I don't know that that I'm I'm not saying that I've been perfectly free of that, but we got to be careful about that. Yeah. You remember that Paul got in trouble with that. With uh, he was, uh, he said, uh, "God smite thee in Acts twenty three verse 3. And, and, and yeah, he, well, this was when he had been arrested in Jerusalem. Yeah, he was being mistreated, and he said something about the high priest that they they said, "You talking about that to the high, about the high priest like that?" And he said, "I didn't know it was the high priest." Yeah, he wouldn't have talked like that to the high priest. Yeah, Acts twenty three verse five. Paul said. Uh, uh, verse four, the, those who were standing, the, the, those who were had him in 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 custody, said, "Revilest thou the high priest?" Because Paul had said, verse three, Paul said to the high priest, he didn't know he was the high priest, but he said to this guy, "God shall smite thee, thou whited wall, for sittest thou uh, to judge me after the law, and commandest me to be smitten contrary to the law." And they that stood by said, Revilest thou the high priest? And Paul said, I wist not, brethren, that he was the high priest. For it is written, Thou shalt not speak evil of the ruler of thy people. So, I mean, Paul, as you said, Paul was being mistreated there. But And he, and and he, he was speaking the truth. Yeah, and, and he spoke harshly to, to this authoritarian figure and then realized that who he was. Shouldn't have talked like shouldn't that. Shouldn't have talked about that, the ruler that way. Okay. All right. Um, so that's certainly one that we have to th- to uh, to think about as we think about responding. Any so, so if if there is if there is unrest uh, that that generates based on the outcome of this election, then obviously we cannot be any part of that, uh, and we can't condone or encourage that. I mean, uh, yeah, well, I'm not going to get out and march and break windows and throw firebombs, but. Boy, those guys, they're standing up for my side. I'm all for them. Rah, rah, go, go, go. No, I, we, we can't, we, we can't participate. We can't condone those who would rebel against our, our rulers. We cannot be a part of any kind of rebellion. Proverbs chapter 24, verse 21. My son, fear the Lord and the king and meddle not with them that are given to change. We're not to be a part of these you know, riots. But, you know, it's always been a question among Christians and I, I think some people, you know, probably haven't really Ever consider what would you have done if you were a Christian living in the colonies uh, in the Revolutionary War time? I really think these principles say we would have had to have been loyal to the King of England. Yep. Now, some will quibble that once the the nation declared independence, it was a new nation, and therefore you could be a, you could be loyal to the new government. But up at, at least up until that time, you would have had to have been loyal to the king. Yeah. Yeah, we got to think about this. I mean, it's the it's the common thought, especially in our society. They're taking the guns out of Walmart. I mean, there there there's the idea of this rebellion against the government is so common. That's not what God tells us as Christians. We need to be doing. Yeah. All right. Uh, here's what uh, Kent says. Remember that we are Christians. Keep our faith anchored in God and trust for His providential protection. And so, uh, that's a good important one. Just continue to trust in God and realize that uh, that God will provide. Yeah. Uh, Mohan says we should still honor the one who leads and pray for them. A peaceful protest may be okay. Yeah, I, I mean, one of the things that we're granted here is the freedom of speech. And so if the so if the uh, the new president comes in and I don't agree with the positions that he's taking or the direction that he's leading, I can say so. I have to say so respectfully, but I I, I mean I don't I don't just have to. So he passes new laws granting 
abortion, even post-delivery abortions. You know, there's some some of the very liberal ones in our society are saying that a woman ought to be able to kill her baby after it's born alive. And so the new president comes in and he is pushing that kind of a legislative package through the Congress. Well, I'm going to speak out against that. Yeah. But I'm still going to do it in a respectful and honoring way. Yep. Here's what Brian said. He, 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 he sent this in, I think, right before you made your comment. He said, I thought more than once whether a Christian would have been wrong in not remaining a loyalist and joining the revolutionary cause. He says you read his mind. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, all right, real quickly as we run to the top of the hour. I think this is an important question to ask. Can you get too involved? As a Christian, can you become too involved in or emotionally invested in political matters? Are you nodding your head, Kyle? Mm, I, think so. I think it's a rabbit hole. I think you can definitely, definitely lose yourself uh, and just, it's, yeah, you can. I think so, too. Uh, as a, uh, And that, that question that I read at the outset that sort of set off our, uh, I don't know if I can find it now. Yeah, well, that one. Yeah, I put it in the round file, and and now I don't know if I can find it. But uh, the, you know, the, the the questioner was pretty bothered by the the that someone suggested, you know, that we shouldn't be so involved. Uh, can a Christian post and be post and be involved in political things? In other words, should I could could I just take things and put them on my Facebook page? Could I retweet something that someone said? You know, Christians are doing that. Uh, by the way. I thought this was interesting. We normally pay a little advertising to Facebook to promote our subject for the virtual Bible study every week. They rejected our ad this week because it was political in nature. Uh, so, but but as an individual Christian, could I could I post something that someone said? Could I retweet something that someone said? Uh, this person said, "I've been told it's wrong for a Christian to post political things because it could offend or discourage someone." I think that has to be considered because, as I was saying, I got a call recently from someone in another place that was concerned that the Christians in the congregation where they were 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 taking such strong political positions that was offensive. Now, what should be my biggest concern? My biggest concern in the local congregation should not be to talk politics, but to talk spiritual things. So, uh, yeah, I do think we've got to be careful. Uh, I'm not saying that you couldn't ever. I, I, I voice my political opinions. I think we can voice our political opinions. I think we need to be careful about doing that. Yeah. Uh, uh, and, you know, if there's someone who's particularly, if you, if you sent someone who's particularly sensitive concerning such things, then, you got to use your judgment about that for sure. Absolutely. Uh, the most important thing is that I maintain uh, the ability to speak the gospel with uh, someone, Kyle. And so if I have a uh, strong policy on for, I mean, a strong opinion on foreign trade, you know, what do we need to do with our, in our, our trade agreement with China? And I'm just ramming that down people's throats to such an extent that the people who disagree with me in that don't want anything to do with me, then I've just lost the opportunity yeah. to be an influence and, and for good. I don't care what you have to say about the Bible because I am so mad at you. Your trade, uh, you're, you're going, you support that terrible trade policy. It's yeah, going to ruin our yeah, economy. Yeah, yeah, all these jobs are going to China, and you're – don't talk to me about the Bible. I don't care what you yeah. have to say about that. Yeah. yeah. Are, are you willing to burn that bridge over yeah, that? I, I think yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I think it's – we can't be known for our – known solely – for our political opinions. I think it's good to have some opinions on the way the world wants to be run, the way that God wants to have us live, but we need to have Christianity and our faith needs to be what people know us by. So, yeah. 
All right. Uh, Kent says, yes, while we love our nation and should desire to see the best accomplished in our communities, our ultimate loyalty must be to Christ, our families, and the Lord's church. In other words, you can't get so involved in politics and political matters that, that it affects what is most important, is what Kent's saying, and I would agree. Moan says, spending too much time following the elections on TV or online can interfere with our spiritual work. I think that's right, Mohan. And I, I want to tell you, I've had to tune some of that out because it's depressing. It I can mean, debilitate you. Yeah. And I think it's, I think it's, it, it can be overdone. Can I add one more thing to this discussion as we think about getting overly involved? And you mentioned a lot about being an influence for good. And certainly the election can help with that. But we get so wrapped up in that, we forget where our real influence for good. And it's not in turning the whole world back towards God. It's towards turning my neighbor towards God or my family member towards God or my yeah. coworker. And I yeah. do that with the gospel, not yeah. not with politics. I do yeah. that with the gospel. That's what's most important. And so, yes, I do need to be an influence for good in the national political realm. But what's most important is that I'm being what I should be individually and that I am proclaiming the gospel of Christ. It's the power of God, Romans 1, verse 16. That's the, that's the most effect we can have. All right. Exactly right. And, we wouldn't, and, and linking that together, don't do anything in this other realm that hinders you in that realm. Don't do anything in the political realm that hinders you in this more important realm. Maybe you turn off the 24-hour news coverage and read your Bible, and maybe that helps uh, change I do, the world. I do think that 24-hour news is killing us because these people have got to have something to talk about. And they just talk all the time. They talk 24-7. And, and, so, and so they they have become skilled in all their talking about whipping up people into oh, a frenzy. Oh, man, getting them into a frenzy. Yeah, turn it off. It's not worth it, Kyle. You talked about uh, if you if you've uh, you've been living in a rock if you haven't know know what's going on but you know uh, by this point I'm looking at that rock pretty seriously. Right now, so, I mean, I'm like, You're looking for a good rock, Kyle. <laughs> good rock to crawl under. Everybody's got one. Kyle needs so, one. Yeah. All right, good deal. Thanks, All Kyle, right. for helping us get yeah, it out tonight. Good. Dad, thanks for your time. Thank Enjoy you. Being with you. Appreciate you for listening on the other end of the line. Hope you make plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. By then, we'll know how the election turned out. Hopefully. Well, I'm not sure. Well, maybe. Maybe. Uh, we'll look forward to talking with you then. Uh, in the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired word of the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 930 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.